I'll start off by saying I'm bored, I'm broke, and I'm back. <laughs> You have something to sip on? I do. I'm, I actually already tweeted about it. You you have been. I know we have started basically every single show by talking. You have been very active on Twitter, and I believe it's working. I believe that we are now. We almost doubled our follower count in the last what week? Is that in right? the last like three days. Holy cow! Yeah, we're the doing. Landslide it. We're going viral. Is here. We're going viral. We're up to over thirty followers. Listen. It's something out of nothing. That's what I'll say about that. Yeah, we that's started really, with zero. That's really what uh, what we're all about here on the Cult of Cult. Thank you all for tuning in. You've got Brian Stabby from Hogshaven and uh, Japer's Rink. <laughs> and yeah. we've got uh, Gumby from the Cult of Cult podcast and uh, I can say associated that tw- Twitter account. <laughs> Keeping it going oh, all season long, and then after the off season, we're still keeping it going. We are going. We're gonna. We have lots of big plans. You tweeted about it. We something we want to do in the off season. I don't know if anyone responded to that tweet, but that's okay. Um, we're gonna. Yeah, keep you know, the, the six people we had in that tweet, uh, you know, no one responded, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's all right. It's a landslide of crap on Twitter. We're not. That, we're not one of it. Sometimes you take it. Sometimes you you let it go. Um, how you feeling on this? We're recording a little bit later this week. We're on a Thursday evening. Uh, usually, a little peek behind the curtain. We go Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday nights. We, we, we Wednesday night. Then usually Wednesday or Thursday during the day, I sort of do some finishing touches on the episode. You know, put a little bit of uh, a little pizzazz on there. You know, the the intro music, the outro. Oh. Um, I I will admit, I will tell you this, kind listeners. We do not do very much editing on this podcast, which I will take, um, which for me is a godsend. But also, I think what you can take away from that information, dear listener, is that what you are getting here is fairly, it's unfiltered. This is the real deal. This is how our conversations go. It's like a a good beer. Exactly. It is like a good beer. Um, And just a seamless transition. Look at that. He's a a pro, guys. Uh, This team... Good or bad, it makes us drink, and so we're always going to be sipping on something on whatever night we record, be it Wednesday or Thursday or whatever. It's Thursday. Uh, so, Gumby, I'll ask you to start us off with uh, what are you sipping on? Well, Brian, I'm, uh, I decided to go back to the, the well and kind of finish off my fall beers. Oh, so I brought okay. back a good fall beer. I got the Evo, which is Evolution Craft Brewing Company's sure. Jaquez O'Lantern, which I, we've, had on this, we've had this on the podcast before. So I'm finishing up the last one. They are delicious. Now, because, again, I'm just cleaning out the closet here on this one, I also have my Peabody Heights Brewery from Baltimore yes. Oktoberfest. Okay. Yeah. So both of them are, are different ends of the spectrum. Uh, they have Oktoberfest is a little more of a, a, a German style, while the Jack O's O'Lantern is a little more of a pumpkin-y beer. But I would uh, definitely say, hey, guys, next year when you're sitting around – and you see that August, September hit, and you're looking for a good fall beer, grab one of each, you're not going to be disappointed. You know, my, my uh, this is, I'm sure, riveting to you all, but my progression on, on fall beers has been really, I started off a hater, and I'm now very much sort of like, 
I'm in the water. Like, I've worked my way into the water. I didn't dive in, but I did sort of, like, eek my way in, you know, when the water's kind of cold and, like, you just, you got to sort of inch your way in. I'm back. Um, I think the style has gotten much better. I think brewers have, by and large, they've toned it down to an appropriate amount, like, with all, like, the pumpkin spice and stuff. It used and to be it's still, just so in your face. So in it's your still face. there. It's just obscene, but it's, yeah. It's mellower. Um, so... I've started to, I've come all the way around. I think that fall beer season, as deemed seasonally appropriate, it's this, the period of time is too short. Agreed, agreed. Because in September, it's still, I think, like Pilsner weather. I think it's Kolsch weather. I think you can still have an IPA. Absolutely. Um, those are going to be your go-to. But, you know, it's sort of weather-based, but also like season-based, like your, your mind's not there. You know, come October 1st, people obviously go to town on on fall beers on pumpkin beers but you basically have to drink them all in the month of october because it really stops being fall beer season like november 1st and then everyone's drinking their their christmas whatever prairie bomb christmas like shiner bach like they just go straight into it and the fall the beer bad is elf like shows wi- up and just and breaks bad down elf, the party yeah. i have some of that over here maybe i'll do that uh I had the Mad Elf Grand Crew. I saw you had that. That's so good. That'll that'll get you going. The Grand Crew. Oh, eleven percent, and then it had uh, like a cherry, like tartness to it. I don't I don't like sours, but this wasn't sour. This was tart. Oh man, that bottle went down fast. It was delicious. But Mm. I digress. Yes. Stabby, what you sipping? I am sipping on a collab, Ology. Brewing company, an outer range brewing company. It's called Side Fridge. Ooh, it's kind of a cool can, black and like a like a sunset. But uh, so, so the the can almost looks like the uh, the coils of the fridge. On the back of the refrigerator. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And it is uh, Ology Brewing is from Tallahassee, Florida. This is a New Zealand hop blend. And a hazy Indian pale ale, seven percent alcohol by alcohol by volume. Very nice, very light. Um, we got a four pack, mixed four pack of this from our favorite place in the world, Highside in Fairfax, Virginia. They're not paying me to say this, but uh, please go to Highside in Fairfax, Virginia. It's the best. Um, yeah, good bo- good beer. Um, kind of interesting, pretty light. It's got me feeling good. Uh, Almost as good as the fact that Washington football team, they are in first place with three weeks left to go in the season. I never, in my wildest imagination at the beginning of this season, at the beginning of this podcast, would ever have said that Washington football team would be first place in the NFC East at any point in time during this season, let alone with three games left. It's, 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 Amazing to me what what Ron has done uh, with this team and be able to make it. So again, we are we are the worst division. We are the worst division in the league, but we are still in first. We need to celebrate yeah. that we are in first place with three games to go. Here's a, here's a question for you: Do you think Ron Rivera believed that they would be in first place in the division with three weeks left to go? How do you think he thought the season was going to go? Because I'm, you know, we asked the question several weeks ago, like, what's the end game? And I, I personally, no, before I tell you what I think, what do you think? What do you think? Ron Rivera's job is to win, is to put, pull together a team that, and, and pull together a team that 
was not doing well, that had a, had parts but wasn't together. And Ron Rivera took those parts and has started to put them together. Now, are we the, 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 the sharpest uh, Turpest team right now? No, no, but we are becoming a team, and we're getting better and better. And Ron's job is to win. And so did he think that this was possible? I don't think he did. I, th- I think we all thought that the Eagles and the Cowboys would would show up and do a lot more than they have. But I'll tell you what, once the blood was in the water, man, he jaws it up and just started chewing, and now he's here. So as he said early on, his he wants to win. He wants to teach how to win, and he's doing that. What do you think? I also do not think that he would have envisioned that a couple things. I don't think he could have ever envisioned that they were going to be in first place at this point. For and then the set of circumstances that have gotten them into first place are unimaginable. The way I mean, we'll talk about the division. Uh, I think later on, but I think it's a combination of both things, though, because it is unquestionable to me that this team has produced at a higher level than anyone could have expected. And I would argue, and I don't know what he would say, but I would argue he he would not have expected to have seen the progression that they have displayed pretty much in all facets of the game. I mean, you don't go into the season thinking that your kid who's going to be your starting quarterback in week one is not going to be the starting quarterback. If you told me Dwayne Haskins was not the starting quarterback in week you know, 15 or whatever of this season, I would have said, okay, it's going to be a disaster. Yeah. And I, I think the pieces that we thought were going to be good have been namely the defensive line the but the defensive backs have been better than we, we just lost Everett though that's I know they kill just us lost to Shazer Everett week. for the season for IR that's a tough one um but as a position group even with Landon Collins out they have been better than I think would have been expected absolutely think, they, they did not look good early in the season so they've definitely progressed and got significantly better they did. during the season so that that's one of those things that Ron and Del Rio have done is is that building teaching. We lost Collins. Now we lost to Sager Everett. We, but they're like, okay, next. Who's yeah, up next? next. Up. Let's go, because we still have three games left. It's true. And the other things, you know, there have been other individual players and position groups that have outperformed. I think what anyone reasonably could have expected of them. I think Logan Thomas has become a legitimate professional tight end. Jeremy Sprinkle still is terrible. Neither here nor there, but the wide receivers, by and large, have been—they're not exceptional, but they have been better than they could have been. It could have been anticipated. I think Terry McLaurin is better than reasonable expectations would have had him. He has—he has outperformed already fairly high expectations. I think the running game, in aggregate, their ability to carry the football has still left plenty to be desired, but their contribution to the offense in that they do a lot of things. They pass block well in aggregate. uh, You know, when you think about like what JD McKissick brings in the passing game, he's done well when, um, you know, they, they always sort of seem to have a guy who can like get you just enough. And maybe they're, I mean, they're not a good group yet. I wouldn't put them up against just about any other group in the league, even Antonio Gibson included, but I think it has worked and so I don't think he could have guessed this on a number of fronts, but I'm sure he's stoked that 
they're doing what they're doing. The fact that we have this opportunity to say that we're in first place, three games left. The And I, I agree with you. The offense has stepped up. I mean, if someone told me that Alex Smith would be our starting quarterback at any point in time this season, yeah. I would have looked at you and been like, well, uh, looks like really I'm not bad watching news. any more games. Yeah, yeah, I'm not watching any more games. This is this going to be a big pile of crap. Uh, it, it's not been the case. But also with the running backs, you're looking at, you know, over the last three or four weeks, they have found ways to produce a lot of through the pass. But before that, I mean, you take away Gibson, you had this anemic, very slow style of running, and it's you see it all coming together. It's starting to gel against a 49ers team that I definitely thought was going to come out differently. Um, yep. I definitely thought that it was going to be a, a, a much stronger team than it was. I know their, their starting quarterback uh, absolutely – had no clue what was happening. Um, yeah, Mullins, Mullins was just, a mess. Mullins was horrible. He was he, horrendous. What did he go for? I'm going to interrupt you. Just yeah, no, absolutely. Here. Mullins went 25 of 45 for 260 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. So he had the yards. Um, but a lot of that was, you know, from behind. Once you're from behind, you're just throwing the ball. That's And true. trying to catch up. So a lot of that, you know, at least... At least 75 yards of that is just I'm, – I'm just throwing this ball to get rid of it. Um, and I, the the 49ers receivers, which had always had really good you know reviews and, and people's ideas, they couldn't catch a ball here and there. No. They were just dropping things that were in their hands. Yeah. So it was kind of a perfect storm for us where we would go into this, this game where I, I definitely thought we were going to lose 24-21. Everyone I talked to said we were going to get blown out. Uh, and I'm glad it was, you know, I'm glad we, I, I unbelievably, we, we took this one. So making us the first, the first AFC East, again, no shot I ever thought that was going to happen. No. And it's funny, you talk about it being a perfect storm. I think even more than you could have anticipated. I'm looking at these, these stats. Washington did not play very well on offense. Mm-mm. Alex Smith was eight of 19 for 57 yards and an interception. That was a, a, a and half a calf and half a calf. Yeah, it's that Dwayne Haskins. Uh, let's talk about Dwayne Haskins. He went seven of twelve for fifty-one yards and was sacked once. Um, what were your impressions of one half of Dwayne Haskins? Now, what? How he's been out? He's been he's been sidelined for about I want to say seven weeks at this point. I think that's about right. Uh, what, what was it? Is an unenviable position to be put in as a backup in an emergency situation. No, no matter how much, no matter how much back you, background you have, no matter how long you've been playing quarterback, coming in halfway through a game is very unenviable. Yeah, and I think people would say, "Okay, you're a backup quarterback. You need to be ready to go in at any point." But there are guys who play their entire, basically their entire careers and are backup quarterbacks and never go in. And I think, like, you can't just constantly be on in that way. I mean, maybe you can if you're at the at the professional level. But, you know, it's it's not, you're never, like, stoked to see your backup come in because of an injury uh, and just sort of, like, be totally unprepared. It's like, okay, you are taking the very next snap. Like, you better just, like, loosen your arm up. You haven't been playing catch on the sideline for the last you know, hour and a half. Understandably, you have other things you should be doing as a backup quarterback. But what did you, so with that in mind, um, what did you, what were your 
thoughts on Dwayne Haskins, his performance, sort of in one half of football? He got in, and the first couple passes he had were darts. These things had had just so much momentum on him. And the way he was doing it, he was split second, boom. He made a read, saw the read, go. And he was look at a read, missed, go to the next one. The very first couple passes he had were crisp. They were. Were, were, were just so much behind it. And, and you could see he wasn't thinking he was throwing. He wasn't thinking he was playing football. Whatever happens in his head to stop that from happening needs to disappear. Because yeah. all of a sudden, he went those first couple of throws and he was, he was dropped back crisp hopping almost he was just so excited to get ready and then something in his head makes him start thinking too much and he just all of a sudden it became molasses he did so make some much he, ready to go he, he did make some silly throws he, he you're right he did look nice sort of coming out his first couple throws and i was like oh you know because i was expecting him to come out and just like be a little bit cold and not be you know you, you haven't worked with the center you're not taking first team reps whatever it's been a while since you've like been in the huddle with this group of guys, presumably, in any sort of sustained capacity. And so for him to come out and, like you say, have a couple of nice plays early on, I'm like, oh, wow, okay. Like, this is He, he learned something welcome. over the last seven weeks, yeah. And then, yes, I think, you're, I think you're right. He made a couple of plays where I think he narrowly avoided an interception, but because the defensive back dropped the football, threw behind receivers... I seem to remember it happening at least once on third down. In you know, in some total in my mind, the performance, you know, it wasn't it wasn't consistent. It wasn't catastrophic. You know, he didn't come in. He didn't lose them the football game. No, he did not. He didn't lose it. And you know, they were they were up and kind of had to. They relied on the defense. They and the defense came through, obviously. Again. again. Again, just incredible performance once again out of this defense. Um, two, four, seven tackles for loss, four sacks. Mullins, that poor guy, he just like did not. He it was not not his day. Um, and you know we hyped up the matchup between Trent Williams and Chase Young, and I would give advantage Young. I think Chase Young ended up winning that battle um, in an interesting turn of events. So, yeah, just like a lot of things going on in that game. Um, but lo and behold, it, it has him in first place. In that Chase Young versus Trent Williams battle, uh, absolutely Chase one took that one. Here's this rookie who's just raw talent, who, who who's playing like he's been in the league for years. Yeah. And, you know, we all wanted Trent Williams to stay. Of course we did. He's an yes. all all everything player, but he just kept getting hurt, kept getting hurt, kept getting hurt. And he showed that again playing us, where he took time out because he kept getting hurt. Yeah. And Chase Young just kept going. The motor on that guy is insane. He is. Yeah. And the ability to have a lovely touchdown doesn't hurt. His 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 uh his happiness. You think and uh, his mother's happiness. I was gonna say, you think it makes his mom proud? <laughs> she she was on the interview. His yeah, I saw that. Stress in conference. He's like, mom is proud. <laughs> Chase Young is saying and doing 
everything right. I, I don't know if you saw this. Today someone interviewed him and sort of I, – I didn't actually hear what the – how the question was phrased, but someone basically put him – asked him a question about how he compares himself to Sean Taylor, which is – kind of an inappropriate conversation, like an inappropriate thing to ask, neither here nor there. I mean, it's like that's a question that probably just like it was some reporter who probably just like didn't have anything else queued up and was like, what? And Chase Young, to his credit, said, do not put me in the same conversation as Sean Taylor. Like, I'm having a great year. I'm very excited. I want to be here to help the team, you know, but there's there's no comparison. Like, I look up to him. There's no comparison. said it absolutely from the heart totally authentic he's very authentic i don't know how much time you've heard him talk but he he is he's sharp but you every single thing i've heard out of his mouth didn't feel staged or scripted it sort of felt extemporaneous and like it felt very real and i i I appreciate that out of him and and he the thing is he's polished but not polished. polished In a way where you exactly you feel like he's saying fake things. He's saying what you want to hear instead of what's truthful. He's just a really good human being, and he you is. I'm love really it. Happy. I, I'm but really he also happy. has a great personality for what he he's does. doing. Um, now, did you see the NFL had changed uh, their uh, logo for a minute with uh, Chase Young in the background on I some s- of the social media? I saw that. Yeah. When's the last <laughs> time something like that happened? For God's sake. Not under Dan Snyder. <laughs> it's been a minute. Yeah, I, the one other thing that the one other thing I've heard from Chase Young this year that um, really stood out to me as sort of being like I, I was just taken aback at you know his poise was uh, after the Steelers game they interviewed Chase Young on the field and it was sort of in a weird set of circumstances the the reporter and I now I don't remember who it was I want to say Rachel Nichols but I'm not entirely sure, sure that's right was standing in the stands with a lot with like a microphone and Chase Young was standing on the field several yards back like it was like a covid situation yeah. like a precaution and she asked him you know there was a lot of hype coming into this game the Steelers defense and the Washington defense who was the better defense? And he did not miss a beat. He says, we were the better defense. We <laughs> we were the better team. And then he went on to explain why, like, we played, we did everything right, we worked hard, like, they are obviously a talented team, but we are the better defense. And he just, like, did not even hesitate. He didn't think about doing it in a way that was going to appease anyone. Like, he just, he said, and it was true, and it was authentic. And it's just, like, it's cool seeing a rookie come into the league and just exhibit the signs and sort of behaviors that you would expect to see out of someone several years his veteran, just someone who has been around the block for a long time. And some of it maybe I suppose is like he's he's young and like he hasn't been involved in any sort of like media scandals or anything. He's not cynical towards the media, but like so what you're seeing is what you get and what you're seeing is is authentically him. But I, it's just been great. I've really, he's just been fantastic. I have nothing but good things to say about Chase Young. And, and then watching him do these interviews, watching him be a part of the press, uh, it's actually kind of wonderful because he's also taking any additional pressure off of Terry McLaurin. Yes. Now, Terry McLaurin seems like he's actually a great guy too, but he seems a little more quiet. Kind of shy a little yeah, bit. Yeah, kind of shy guy. Which is totally fine. He's entitled. Absolutely. It's, it's, you are who you are. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But if... Chase Young wasn't on this team. 
all of that pressure and all of those ideas and thoughts would yep. all be pushing towards uh, Terry. Yes. So you have this great symbiotic relationship of Terry McLaurin, who's already said he's a captain. He, in his second year, he's a captain. Everyone loves this guy. Everyone supports this guy. And you got Chase Young, who everyone loves, everyone supports, but also supports McLaurin and can be the, the, the voice of this team. Yeah, it works. In such a great way, as you just described, it is phenomenal to watch kind of how this is falling into place. We've had so many draft picks that didn't make sense, so many things that fell apart, so many over the last 20 years. Watching these two come together has been phenomenal. Yeah, and on opposite, gives us such opposite a great sides of the ball. They Absolutely. Just, I mean, it's a culture thing. And, it, you know, just to your point, I've, you know, obviously there are guys in sports who don't, who are kind of dicks to the media, but, and some of them, you know, somewhat justifiably so. I mean, a lot of media folks, um, they're just out there to do a job. They're not asking questions necessarily to like make it about them. I know how it can feel that way to your, when you're a player, but some guys, you know, they're just asking questions because you know they have a job. Stephen to do. A. Smith. Well, yeah, but I'm sort of thinking more like post game reporters who have like a, a paper, you know, ar- an article to write for the post. You know, Boswell in the locker room or Scott Allen or whoever it may be, and like they're at you know Comcast Sportsnet, whatever. So they're asking questions, and obviously. Not all of them are great. Not all of them are well-received, but they're just trying to get a quote so that they can file their reporting. Now, what I do find sort of interesting and challenging is, let's say you're shy. I mean, Ricky Williams, notoriously, you know, he had crippling anxiety, and he came into the league. They they traded, the Saints traded all of their, their picks to Washington, um, which yielded what Champ Bailey and Chris Samuels and I think like Lavar Arrington, absolutely. And they traded their enti- every single pick that they had. Mike Ditka traded to Washington. One of the stupidest things I've ever seen anyone do. I couldn't have been happier. I was pretty stoked. And Ricky is obviously getting a ton of attention. He does he win the Heisman? I want to say he won the Heisman. I think he won the Heisman. Yeah, I think he. And so like, but he has terrible anxiety and so he would do these interviews with his helmet on and people were like wow how disrespectful like wow what a weird guy and it's just like no he just like you know he's just got all this stuff going on and the his ability to be a high quality nfl football running back the skill set there is very different than being able to stand and give articulate answers in a way that is not physically uncomfortable for you with a bunch of microphones in your face outside your locker asking you either it doesn't even matter the quality of the question asking you questions nitpicking your performance when like that's an that's a trigger for you like that's tough and so you know i think that we have an expectation as fans that guys be open and forthcoming and vocal in the media and we kind of take it for granted that like when these guys are really good at it, we just assume that they ought to be. And when they're bad at it, we like get mad at them. I mean, Marshawn Lynch, like he just didn't like doing that part of his job. Yeah. No, nobody becomes an athlete to do interviews. No. I I want to catch a ball. I want to run a ball. I want to throw a ball. I want to hit somebody who's running, catching or throwing a ball. Like I don't, my job isn't to tell you what I'm thinking. My job is to go on a field and do my job. But so, so your background, Brian is a lot, a lot of it in the world of 
of being on the other side of the mic. So you, you yep. understand the world of, of the, the microphone. Yeah. Do people, when they answer, ask these god-awful questions, ever go back and say, that was a dumb question? I can't believe myself as a reporter or as a person just asked such an asinine question. I think it has to be really, really bad and, like, get the attention of other people in order to, like, really levy that amount of self-reflection in much much the same way that, let's say, a guy has a bad game and it's a long season, he just kind of puts it behind him. I think in a very, in a similar but very different sense, like, if a reporter had filed, wrote a bad story, or like conducted a bad interview, you kind of just like you gotta think about it. You just gotta roll with it. You just gotta move on. You can't dwell on stuff like that. And unless like and you know sometimes things do go viral, and sometimes like you know people get mad when they're like, "Wow, you asked a really racist question to that guy," or like, "Wow, keep you keep on bringing up his his dead relative." Like, could you please stop talking about his dead relative and like how important his dead relative was to him? It's like obviously his dead relative was important and. He doesn't have to talk about that with you, you know, and there are moments like that. But sometimes, like, if you're just struggling, you're just trying to get a question in, you just do it, you file your thing, you just move on to live another day. And okay. so it's it, it, it there is a symbiotic relationship there, too. But, you know, it is sort of a peculiar thing because the if there wasn't the demand for constant you know, for, for daily reporting, for sideline reporting, for folks who are out there tweeting at camp. And, you know, if there wasn't a market for it, then they wouldn't do it. But people like that stuff. I mean, we like that stuff. I pay attention. Absolutely. I mean, we wouldn't be doing this if we both didn't like consuming that type of media and also, you know, in a sense, producing it as well. Um, so, yes, that's that's the long answer to what was a relatively short question. Well, you know, I like that answer because, again, I have spent the only amount of time I ever spent behind a mic talking about this football team or any sports has been with you uh, during this podcast. So I don't know that world. Have I ever gone across the field to catch a ball? Absolutely. Have I ever been interviewed after it? I have. But, you know, I was a kid and uh, I I just said dumb things because I was a kid. I still say dumb things now. Just usually doesn't mean as much. Sure. Uh, But. So it's good to get that perspective from you, understanding how it is to be on the other side of a mic as somebody who has always been on the other side of the ball. Yeah, fair enough. And, I mean, speaking of that, you came across a um, a fairly asinine take. I believe it was on, what, social media? So social media is like a whole. It's like the third estate in all of this. It's like, okay, there are players who give give interviews. There are reporters who report, and then there's the there's the chorus. There's the Twitter sphere. Um, everyone's got an opinion, right? Not all Everyone. of them are good. Not all of them are good. <laughs> no, and mine's usually not good either. So I'm not. I usually don't judge. I try not to judge. But but in this specific time, we were, we're it's 49ers. Washington, they're playing. Yeah. And the 49ers had some returning punts. Uh, I think you know the name of the guy. I who don't was, remember. yeah, they, they were throwing a couple of guys back there. Um, the guy who got the majority of punt returns um, did not have the majority. It was Richie James. Okay. Had two so out of I'm, the three. Yeah. I'm going to go Richie James on this one just because of, you know, 
yeah. statistics. Yep. So Richie James is back, and on, on Twitter, someone starts complaining about how he's not doing a good job returning punts, uh, how he needs to run the ball, and you get paid millions of dollars to do your damn job. That's always my favorite one when they talk about athletes. Yeah. Do your damn job and, and, and you know, stop. I think he even, like, uh, fair catched one. She, and they were going off about this. And, okay. And I kind of wanted to give somebody the true aspect of what it was, what it's like to catch a punt. Um, it, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. No, no, it's it. it, it you're insane. Yeah. A punt returner is probably one of the most insanely insane people in sports. And let me explain to you why. I have been in a batter's box versus a fastball coming at eighty plus miles an hour. Yep. That's scary. It's super scary, but you're not insane because the pitcher usually has pretty decent control. Yeah, I have something played... pretty something pretty catastrophic would have to happen in order for you to sustain a fairly serious injury in the batter's box, and it can happen. It can sure sure it should happen, but it has to like be very specific and very and it's fairly infrequent. And, and it's such a small percentage chance of something bad happening. Yeah, like you can get hurt. But it's more like, uh, wow, I got a big Damn, bruise a big on my bruise. arm. Yeah, I, I need a... to go take. I need to go get a beer. I need an ouchie. I have an ouchie. Get me like a cold compress and an Advil. <laughs> like... Absolutely. I I played rugby for years, and again, that's another world where it's, there's insanity. Yes. But you look at something in the NFL, and I'm gonna start with Tressway first of all. Uh, special, team, special teams. He's the goat. He's the special teams player of the week. That's the set back to back weeks Washington has had. The special teams player of the week, Dustin Hopkins, the week before, Tressway having another baller game. He went eight punts, 398 yards. He averaged 50 yards a punt and had a punt inside the 20. Obviously, you don't like being pumped up about your punter, but I, Tressway has been the best player on this team for years. He may still be the best player on this team, man for man. I don't know. I mean, um, he's a baller and a great NFL films about him that I put on Twitter. You did, yes. Um, now, I'm going to jump back to catching a punt. Yes. I'm going to discuss this. Yes. Um, so, Tressway's left has a left foot. So, he's kicking a left-footed punt, and he's been doing this a year. So, he, he can actually make it go to certain areas. Yeah, he knuckleballs it. Knuckleballs a crap out of it. So, yeah. you're sitting there, and you now are a punt returner. You're 50 yards, 60 yards back, and this ball goes in the air. And it is probably in hang time. What, seven seconds? Yeah, seven, seven to t- ten sometimes if it's really sometimes. high. Yeah. Your job is to stare at that ball. Right. You have 11 people running down the field to hit you. Right. Most of these 11 people are not first string players in the NFL. Right. They're second string players who they want to kill you to earn a spot on this team. If they don't do a good job, they could get cut the next day. Mm-hmm. So they have a little insanity in there just to keep a paycheck. So the ball gets punted. You have these 11 guys trying to kill you. They're not trying to be nice. They're trying to earn a paycheck. They're trying to do the best for their team. You have to stare at this knuckleball that's in the air for 10 seconds, giving all 11 guys, maybe not the punter, but at least sometimes. 10 of those guys. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. 
I mean, Tressway, I think made a t- yeah, I think Tressway made a tackle in in this game. Did he? Uh, did he? I think he may have. And I then think you he look did. at uh, Pat McAfee. He's he has a couple great tackles. He does. But yeah, Tressway finished with a solo tackle. I saw that one. That was also like fuck yeah, Tressway. <laughs> yeah, and you, so you got this. So there's knuckleball coming at you. There's wind in the. You, they got wind hitting. You got fans yelling. You don't know what's happening in front of you. It's all senses. Yep. You have the 10 people coming at you, and they want to murder you. Yeah. And now you're sitting here, and sometimes you can peek. Sometimes you can take a quick second to peek, but the moment you peek is when you lose the ball, and if you lose the ball, you're screwed. You've lost your job. You've lost your job. Yeah. So you got to decide if it's a fair or you're going to return it. So if you're going to return it, now you got to get, get back, catch this knuckleball, and always in the last 20 feet before it comes to you, it will move. Yep. It's going to move left punters, right. Gonna... Punters have gotten very good at this. Like there's, this oh. is like the fact that they, you know, they probably spent 20 years of their life basically just trying to get really good at figuring out how to hit the ball so that it moves at the last second. Um, yeah, they're good at it. And they're, they're amazing at it. Plus you coming off a left foot has a different spin than coming off of a right foot. Right. So if you're used to a, and you haven't done a lot with B, you are in trouble. Right. So you get this ball. The moment you get that ball, usually there's someone around you. Yeah. Right on top of you. Right on top of you. It is the most insane thing that you can do in sports. And and I want to sit here and say, you know, uh, people can be like, oh, what about a hockey goalie? Have you seen the amount of pads on a hockey goalie? If you're talking about a hockey goalie from the 70s, we can have a talk. But I'm talking about right now. And having those 10 people, 11 people wanting to kill you, running down the field at full speed, your job is to catch this knuckleball that's going everywhere and then turn it up field and go. Yeah. It is absolutely one of the hardest things to do in sports. So if someone says, do your job, catch that ball, you're worth billions of dollars. Also, most of the guys who do punt returns are not paid millions of dollars. No. They're the, the lower rank down where they're a wide receiver corner uh, who is a second or third string. And they have some speed to them. They go, hey, you don't need to do. We need to teach you how to catch punts. And they go, oh, shit. Yeah. I um, I one time listened to – I now don't even remember what the context was, like what the medium was. But it was – Brian Mitchell was talking about his – you know, he's considered top five punt returners, punt and kick returners of all time. I mean, it's like him – like Devin Hester, that's kind of all I got off top. Of my yeah, head. like those, those are the those two are guys, two, two big ones. They're synonymous with punt and kick returns. Yeah, and you know he he basically made a living out of that, basically for and he was in the league for a fairly long time. He did a fairly and, you know, and, but he was phenomenal at. He it. was very good at it, and I remember. I guess the question was. What's it like, or you know, is there any place in particular that was very hard to to field punts? And he said, "There's one place in the NFL that was the hardest place to field punts, and that was the Meadowlands. That the wind, for some for whatever reason, the Meadowlands, he would he'd be back there. He says it's very lonely back there. You're all by yourself. Very. Everyone has eyes. So on much you. thinking. So much thinking when you're sitting back there. And he, you know, he has his." progressions it's it much like um much like an outfielder in baseball your first step is back so he yeah. sees he sees the the punter hit the ball and this is talking about the first time he ever had to field the punt at the metal sees the punter hit the ball 
is tracking the ball, turns his his glance down to see what's coming his way, is able to kind of read that. And, you know, your depth reception, like, we get to watch that stuff from up high. For them to see it where everyone is in a a flat field, it's kind of, you know, it's... It's not the easiest thing in the do to in the world to do is to guess how far away something is. And your and life you only yeah you on only it. have a split second you have, to actually you drop your eyes you have a split second to make that decision and then you got to put them back up. He said so he does this the first time he looks back up and the ball is gone. Gone. He the the ball moves laterally so much at the old Meadowlands. So this is not yeah. the new facility that it was. He was at the left hash. It was inside the right hash. By the time he looked down, looked back up, the ball had started to curve towards the sideline all the way across the field. So he's running laterally across the field, and he's like, I just had to get used to it because we play the Giants twice a year. And yeah. well, it was and, always and thank impossible. God it moves enough to where he could, if he was out of the way, he was out of the way. But it's, it's worse when you look up, you look down, you can't find it, and it hits you. Yeah. Because then you are, people are calling into, you know, the post game show, bitching about you. If yeah. you make, if you make a fumble on a special, like you're a punt return or kick return, and you fumble on a special teams play, people are gonna go after you. There's and, a chance you don't you don't come back the next day. Yeah, probably. And you're right. Uh, it is insanely difficult to do. A lot of lot of love. Uh, for our punt so, kick so returners. Sims. Yeah, Steven Sims. Uh, how did he do? He had he had at least one good one, one good. He return. did. He had two returns for thirty six yards, and he had a twenty two yard return. Yeah, that's awesome. This is not a team. Mm, this is not a team that has a ton of kick and punt returns. And actually, a couple weeks ago, I said that I I had a guy to remember. I'm just going to shout him out. We don't really have to talk to him about him so much. Uh, Brandon Banks. Uh, Banksy. Yeah, uh, tiny little guy ended up going to play in the CFL. And was also a great punt and kick returner up in the CFL after his time in Washington. But we, I think, went. I could have sworn we went to a preseason game where we saw that year that Brandon Banks made the team and he like returned two punts for touchdowns in the preseason. Oh yeah, no, it was phenomenal. Like we loved him after that because of. Uh, I mean, just watching somebody return punts and then see him go for a touchdown is it's is absolutely it's one of the best things in sports. It's yeah. it's, it's pretty great. amazing. That's uh, okay. So that was your guy of the week. Um, yeah, so Steven Sims having himself uh, a, a pretty nice season back there. Respectable. It's been a while since we've had a really good one, but it's hard to do. So a couple more things we, we got to discuss here. Yeah, three weeks left in the season. They're in first place. I, I think it is not a ridiculous exercise right now to look at the schedule and to look at the schedule of the other teams that are contending still in this division and sort of just have an understanding of where things are. Uh, Are any of the teams in this division out yet? No. No one is eliminated. It's a bit of a long shot for the Cowboys, basically. Okay. Uh, But they're not eliminated. I believe... That the if the Cowboys lose this week, I think they're out. But no one can clinch this week 
like the clinching, it's like still we're still at least a week or so away from having a really clear picture on the NFC East. But all right, should we, should we just like dive in? Let's should, just should dive in. Let's start with the start with the Cowboys because they're the least likely, and they, the Cowboys did this week come out and say that uh, Mike McCarthy will be their coach next week next year. Yeah. Which was the greatest news that, as a Washington football team fan, I could have heard. It's fantastic. Uh, let that guy, let that guy be here for twenty years. He's so bad at what he does. I would love it if he was the Cowboys coach forever. I pray that Jerry Jones has as much loyalty to Mike McCarthy as he did to Jason Garrett. Oh, that'd be phenomenal. Because uh. towards the tail end of the Jason Garrett era, we knew it was not going to get any better. And they had the talent, which is why they I think they said they said to themselves or Jerry said to himself, because there's no they there, it's just a he that he didn't want to waste the window with Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott with he knew what Jason Garrett could do with them and that there was a ceiling. And so he just decided, okay, I'm going to roll the dice and sort of try something different. Ultimately, the thing he chose that was different, we are super stoked on because they're terrible. Mike McCarthy's a joke, but uh, neither here nor there. So yeah, We all thought he'd be good, but he's not. Let's, so what are their next three games? So right now they are in 4-9. They're fourth place in the NFC East. Their next three games. Mm. Okay, I didn't know this. They have the Niners next week. They're not going to beat the Niners. They the are Niners, at home I think the Niners, against the Niners. I think the Niners are going to win them by at least seven on that one. Okay. The Niners are pissed. We're the Niners do, are mad. We're going to do picks after this. But, okay, so okay. I think if they lose to the Niners, the rest of it doesn't matter for them. But the next, the following week on the 27th, they're at home against the Eagles. Oh, that's a big one. Yes. So that's right after Christmas. That's December twenty seventh. Yeah. Cowboys Eagles. Four okay. four twenty five kickoff at home. Oh oh wow. At home. Well, it's a late one too. Uh, that's a one o- one o'clock for them. Okay. But whatever. So if they have to beat the they have to beat the Niners in order for these games to matter for them. So they have Niners, Eagles, both at home. Then on the road at the Giants. So they, they have to go. They can't lose a game because right. that puts them at seven wins. Yeah, seven and nine under a set of circumstances can win the division. If everyone else loses the whole way through. Well, there's in essence. Well, you know, it's it's complicated because the last week of the season, they the NFL, this was a fantastic call by them. The last week of the okay. season, they have decided and this has been that way for a couple of years. They've decided that all games are divisional games. That's awesome. So, that, but that's how you get a, that's how you get a crowd, man. That's how you get people to watch. Right. It's sort of like something that you and I both like, which is the last week of the Premier League season where they play all of the games at the same time. So you can't mess around. You can't you can't scoreboard look. Like it's very exciting. There's a yeah. lot a lot going on. I really like that. It, baseball also has started doing it so that all the games on the 162nd game of the 162nd game of the year are all played at the same time. I think that that is a fantastic thing to do. It makes the final day of the season, an event that really makes it compelling. And it's a no-brainer to me that leagues do this. 
I mean, because before you'd have the, the four o'clock game, the one o'clock game would happen, and people were like, well, it doesn't matter if we play today because we're already out or already in, and they would bench a bunch of people. Yeah. Now everybody goes. Well, it's the, a, so it's a everyone, take everyone all. is playing the a divisional rival. They are not playing yeah. all the games at exactly the same time. Which whatever. I mean, would, you kind of would be can. so much cooler. Would it be would so be much cool. cooler. But but the NFL wants to dominate the whole week. Right. They want point. the whole day. So they have yeah Niners, Eagles at the Giants. So they have to win out. The reality is that for them to pull this off, they have to win all three games, and then other things have to happen. Yes. Okay. So. They're out. If, yeah, I also think, I think. See, the thing is, I want to say, like, I think they're going to lose to the Niners, then it doesn't matter, but it does matter because of who their opponents are. So. Well, I I think I'm with you. I think they lose to the Niners here, but let's move yeah. on. Let's move on to the Eagles, who are in third place right now. They are four eight and one. They that one's gonna that that one's gonna kill them. They ha, are on the road with coming off a win over the Saints with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. That that was incredible. It to, was. To them credit, that was incredible. But they also went against Taysom Hill, who That's true. can either not do anything. Yeah. The Eagles are at the Cardinals. Oh. At the Cowboys. And then at home against Washington. That's going to be a big game at the end there. <laughs> you bet it is. Wow. So I think they'll lose against the Cardinals. And they'll put them at, at four nine. Four nine and one. And I think uh, they'll beat the Cowboys, so five nine and one. That puts us a dead eye against us. And I think I think we'll still be in a battle with the Giants for first. So right. they may not be against the Eagles, but they're either going to be in contention for the division or they're going to want to take us out. That's right. Yes, the Eagles. Yeah. If if it is an opportunity, if it's a set of circumstances whereby the Eagles cannot make the playoffs in the final week of the season, they we're not gonna they're not gonna roll over. They're gonna go out and do absolutely everything they can to make sure that the team that they are playing does not make the playoffs because they lost because of their loss. That is a humiliating thing to have happen. Guys are playing for their jobs. No one's going to sit. No one's going to rest. Presumably, they're going to still have Jalen Hurts at quarterback. He's still trying to prove himself. They are going to come out in the final week of the season and are going to go hard, regardless Absolutely. of whether or not they have an opportunity to make the playoffs. And then the good for our end, for the Washington football team's end, Hurts uh, will have a couple games of film. So that'll let Del Rio kind of actually see what he's actually doing. True. That's actually good on our end. Because, again, Hurts, you're looking at more of like a Kyler Murray type a lesser, lesser version of that, but it's something we had a lot of problems with Against in Arizona Kyler earlier in the year. Yes. So, and so, so the fact, hopefully, it's going to be interesting. This game this weekend for them, I think, is going to be fun to watch because Jalen Hurts is has a has a good arm, is yeah. mobile, has pretty good pocket presence. Kyler Murray, a, a very similar style player. They they both have. A similar skill set, and I think they're both pretty good. I like. I know people were blown away when they selected Jalen Hurts, but I uh, 
and this is not, I mean, I have said all year that I think that Carson Wentz is a chump. I think maybe this set of circumstances may not be the best one for him from a football perspective. From a lining his, his pocket, from getting paid perspective, <laughs> he's made out like a bandit, even if he never plays another down for them. Neither here nor there, but uh, I have a lot of complimentary things to say about Jalen Hurts at this moment in time. So, that brings us to the New York Giants. Who, who lost last week. Who lost last week to the Cardinals. They kind of got their asses handed them. They lost 26-7 yeah. to 7 to Arizona at home in Ruth- East Rutherford, New Jersey. So they're, they're hurting a little bit. They were actually riding a four-game winning streak that started with that win over Washington. They had okay. not lost until last week. They beat the they beat Washington. They beat the Eagles. They beat the Bengals after we had already taken out uh, Joe Burrow, and then they beat the Seahawks, which was the other game that, that was a that's a big game. It right was there. it was sort of like kind of helped make the NFC East more respectable. They beat the Seahawks, and then we beat the Steelers, and people stop kind of stopped making as many jokes about the East. <laughs> so they, I believe, have the hardest schedule of any team in the division. They okay. are at home on the twentieth, which is so they're sun, they're playing Sunday night football at home against the Browns. The Browns have been on fire. The too. Browns are good, which is yeah, a wild are. thing to say. I know we've I maybe mean, never said it in our lifetimes, and you've seen Baker Mayfield has been just tossing touchdowns like crazy. That game last week that they played yeah. against the Ravens was. Absolutely incredible. It was. They, it was a fantastic performance. A very exciting game. Two very competitive teams. Which brings did me you, to. Did you watch it? I did. did you watch that game? I watched. Oh, it. The, when, when Jackson came out of the locker room, I lost. I lost it. I was like, "This is this is insane." Sorry, I digress. Continue. Well, that brings me to the Giants' next game, which is on the road at the Ravens. Oh, oh, damn. Yes. So Browns, Ravens. Browns at home, Ravens on the road, then at home against the Cowboys in the final week of the season. Well, that's hard. Yeah. Wow. I think best case scenario, they're going one and two. Yeah. Right? So so we are right now in the driver's seat. As long as we, so if we lose, let's look at our schedule. So let's let I they, our schedule right now. Yeah. Okay. They are at home, Washington is at there right now, six and seven, first place in the NFC East. Okay. At home against the Seahawks, one o'clock. That's a tough. Well, it's uh, a tough one. Well, I'm gonna say we're gonna lose it. Just just for all intents and purposes, just just for this conversation, we lose this game. Probably. I mean, they are the better yeah. team. The absolutely. You know, the Giants beat them. What seventeen to twelve. Yeah. You know, any team on you catch any team on their worst day, you have your best day. You can win. There's no team in the NFL that can't beat another NFL team. The Jets but, could beat anyone in the league. They just won't this year because they're so no, they're terrible. They're so bad and they're poorly coached. It's hard, but but yeah. So let's say we lose to Seattle. So that puts us at oh, uh, no. six six and eight. Six and eight. Okay. The following week they are at home at one o'clock against the the Panthers. I think we we win this one. I think so too. The Panthers. I don't think. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about them. No, I don't think anyone does, including the entire state of North Carolina. They they are they're four and nine. 
They're in third place in the NFC South. Okay. This week, they're going against the Packers on the road on, I want to say, Sunday night football. Is that Ravens game? Or is that Eagles game? Monday night football? I don't know. Whatever. Okay. So, okay, so, so, so Panthers, we, are, we, we, Panthers are bad. Okay. So we beat Panthers. So now that puts us at seven and eight. Seven and eight. And then they're on the road at Philadelphia at one o'clock on the last week of the regular season. Wow. It's it's compelling. It's incredibly it's, compelling. It is. NFL's done a good job. They, good this, job, guys. This, you know what? Like it means they, it means basically that an, that it's likely that the winner of the division goes no better than eight and eight. Yeah. Which okay, like laugh all you want. Like you take you take it. You take it all day. Uh, you take a, you take the NFC East flag every day you can. Uh, then you look at so the winners are going to go seven and eight or eight and eight. Yeah, that that seems reasonable. Right. Uh, and the Giants have a harder schedule. Ours is not light. I don't want to make it sound like we are pushovers right now. We've got Seattle. Yeah. The Panthers, right? The Panthers do have players, and then you have the Eagles, who at this point in time are pissed. Yeah. So, and the Eagles could walk in and say, "We still have a shot." So right. that that Sunday may be a huge deal. They could say they have a shot, but they also could be saying like, "We will play for our pride. We will yeah. play so that these guys don't get to celebrate on the field after the game is over because that feeling sucks." Yeah. So well, we yeah. Washington football team has to go one and one before the Eagles game. They have to go at least one and one. Right. If they go zero oh and two, we put ourselves in a world of hurt to win this division. <sighs> yeah. If they go zero oh and two, if they drop to six and nine i mean technically i think it still can be done but it becomes incredibly challenging at that point yes i agree i I agree with you though that washington has probably the easiest they're they're in the driver's seat and i think they may have the easiest road i don't want to regret saying that but on paper it's not as hard. The Giants have a harder road. Between us and the Giants, we have an easier road than the Giants on paper. I would feel Agreed. really bad if I had to see the Browns and the Ravens and needed to win. Again, it's hard to say the Browns are good. It's so difficult to just let those words come out of my mouth. And It's true. I mean, it's just the, hard. The Giants, uh, the Giants are a game back, so they got to make up a game. So they, true. They have to go. They basically have to go 2-1. and one. That's really they have to go two and one. That's really and that's really hard. Yes, and, but we have to go one and one in the next two games. Yes. We have to go at least one and one. If we go zero oh and two, it's we've ugh. probably given a game back to the Giants really or allowed the Eagles to come back yeah. into the mix of it. And the last thing we want is the last week. It's Eagles, Giants, Washington football team all still vying for that last spot. Yep. Because then it's just too much of a wild card. Let's. Yep. I want to be in the driver's seat. I want to be in the driver's seat, and I want to say, "Here we go. Yeah. We've got this." Yeah. So, <sighs> um, lots to look forward to. Um, shall we do a little bit of picket? I think we set the picket. So, how did we do last week? Last week, because we were like eight and eight the first week we did it. Then we missed a week, and then last week, how did we do? Well, last week we. Picked. Um, I think I had one overrule. Do you happen to remember what it was? No. You don't. No. 
<laughs> I don't remember. Well, last week we got 12 games right. Yes! Fuck yeah! Excuse my language. And That's awesome! Finished one win back of first place. Someone did better? <laughs> yeah, they... They they had thirteen and it came down to Monday night and I we both had this I had twelve and they had twelve and I was like okay I think I can win this they I just I we picked Baltimore um, minus one and a half and I said okay if I pick Baltimore and they pick Cleveland and Baltimore wins it then I win yeah and they also picked Baltimore and so they held serve finished one point back so that is to say. We are That's phenomenal. We're, we had a very good week. Um, didn't finish in the money, but really uh, we're in that upper echelon there in what was a pretty tough week, I think, picking-wise. So kudos we to did, us. We didn't have a losing record. I'll take it. Kudos to us. You know what the difference maker was? Uh, we picked Atlanta minus two and a half. Yeah. And the... Chargers one by three. Yeah. That's how you do. Tough. That's how you do right there. Um, all right, so let's do this week. I already made the first pick. It's looking like I'm going to lose. Uh, I picked Vegas minus three and a half over the Chargers. Uh, Derek Carr apparently is has gotten hurt in that game, so it's not looking oh. good for them. Yeah. Let me see if I can get a score update. Hold on. Okay, please. Yeah. It's seventeen seventeen. It's seventeen seventeen. Seventeen seventeen. So yeah, you can still get it. You should be okay. Uh, three. So three and a half. So Vegas has to win by more than three. Um, it's in. They're in the hunt. All right. Yeah. So let's roll here. Denver plus six and a half against Buffalo. Wait, Buff. They're saying Denver's going to win by no, six and a half over Buffalo. Half. So they are six and a half. Oh, that's six and a half points. Oh, okay. At home. Against. I would still give it to Buffalo. I also. I went through and made an initial set of picks just so that I. Okay. Just in case we. Yeah. Ha, like, you know, I had to make the Vegas pick, so I figured I'd just get them in. Yeah. yeah. I also. I, I would still go. I'd still go Buffalo. Uh, Green Bay, eight and a half point favorites at home against Carolina. Eight and a half? So, man, to give someone more than seven is hard. It's really hard. I know Green Bay played well last week. Green Bay is You know what? I'm going to go I'm going to go Green Bay. Green Bay is 4 and 1 against the spread. Carolina is 1 and 4 versus the spread. So that uh, given somebody more than a touchdown it is hard to take. Okay. That's Cuz the NFL's it's not more than a touchdown very often. But in this case, yes. It's an interesting I'll, ideology. I'll stick with Green Bay. I've never really thought yeah. about it that way, but that's a good point. Uh I will say it uh, we do our thing on CBS. It shows you what percentage of people have picked which one. Eighty percent of people have picked Green Bay. Yeah, seventy-six percent of people pick Buffalo. This one is basically <laughs> this one's basically a toss-up. Minnesota is a three and a half point favorite at home against the Bears. At uh, the Bears, you pick the Bears. I take the Bears. Okay. And because I know it sounds weird, and the again, this is one of those things. The words come out of my mouth is 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 weird. Trubinsky's playing well. Yeah, he's doing okay. Minnesota has yeah. Minnesota has just like been comically inept this year. Also, they oh, just yeah. like continually. I mean, it's Minnesota Vikings fans have been treated to the Kirk Cousins experience of just being like perpetually disappointed by what like you're like okay this is pretty good but it's just like not good enough. 
what can we do to get that one more thing to go right? Yeah. The answer is not Kirk Cousins. Yeah, it's just never going to happen. Um, okay. No. Tennessee, eight and a half point favorites against Detroit, who now are without Matthew Stafford. And also without a coach. And without a coach. And without a GM. And without a GM. So I would not go with Detroit at all. So Tennessee. Tennessee, seven, yeah, eight and a half points. Again, I, anything over a touchdown is hard to take, but I think we take it. Yeah, it's a catastrophe there in Detroit. Um, yeah, it, it, they're disheveled. Well, it's, they're, they are falling apart. And we'll talk about this at some point. There's a lot of um, conversation Stafford to D.C. I've heard. Oh, I've a heard A lot that. of that. I, we, we, won't, we won't dignify it with a response at this very moment, but we will discuss it on a later episode. Agreed. Another touchdown plus spread. Indianapolis, seven and a half point favorites against Houston. I would still take Houston. Would you? Okay. Yeah. Um, they're not playing. I know this again. It's hard to. It's hard to use someone to, plus a touchdown. It's hard, but I think I think Houston their defense is is respectable enough mm-hmm. to keep it like a twenty one fourteen game. And twenty one fourteen means they make the spread. Houston has been eliminated from the playoffs, so they are four nine. The Colts are nine and four. How did that happen? They're doing they're doing great, uh, but I think still think they're going to play, and I still think it's going to be a like a fourteen twenty one game. Which, again, it's still a victory. It's just not going to catch the spread. Okay. So I would go Houston. Okay, fair enough. Um, whew. Baltimore, 13.5-point favorites against Jacksonville. 13.5? They are, yes. Wow. You know what? Lamar Jackson had a damn Superman cape. He did. Coming out of the bathroom after a big old poop <laughs> called cramps. Yeah. Um, I... 13 and a half. I don't care who you are. I can't take 13 and a half. I would take Jacksonville on the points. Okay. I will I won't overrule you on that one because it is a lot. That's 13 and a half. I have 13 and a half. You you win by 13 points. Baltimore has Ten. a lot to play for and Jacksonville is 1 and 12. No, I understand this, but I'm talking about the 14 points. I understand. Like again, yep. they have a the they NFL, have a they have a negative points differential. It's the second lowest in the AFC. They're minus 122 points. Jacksonville sucks. Suck, yeah. I just can't look at a team and go second worst in the league. And, and I can't bet that you're going to lose by 13 and a half points. Okay. Like it's hard to bet that. This one's tougher than Miami minus two and a half against New England. Oh, I'm taking Miami. Okay. Yeah, the wheels of uh, I think. I think it's been guaranteed that the that the Patriots cannot win the division. Thank God. Yeah. The wheels fell off. Like the Cam Newton thing, the first like four games, I was like, why didn't Cam go to DC? Now we know why. He still might. <laughs> he still might. There's no there's non-zero not. non-zero I, chance. Well, I, I don't. I, so Ron Rivera didn't want him. Yeah, but I think I would have taken. There's a reason why. I, I, well, the reason I think, why I at the Cam- time was because they thought that Dwayne Haskins was the quarterback of the future. <laughs> Well, I mean, but Cam Newton's also not the quarterback of the future. Yeah, I suppose. Um, okay, so you take Miami. I think I agree with you. Da, 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 da. Ooh, okay, Dallas is two and a half point underdogs at home against San Francisco. Two and a half points. Oh, man, San Fran. That's tough. Because San Fran just has to win by a field goal. Just by a field goal, that's right. Yeah, so San Fran. Okay. Uh Skip Washington, come back to it. Atlanta, five and a half point underdogs at home against Tampa Bray, Tampa Bay Brady, Tampa Tampa Brady, 
Tampa Bay, who Atlanta Atlanta's been playing well. They have been. They're a little. They're weird. They've been, they're eliminated technically. Uh, they've been once they got eliminated, they started playing good again. They. So what, what's the well, point? They, ha- they, ha- they have lost two games in a row, also. But what were they, how were they on the spread? That's a good question. Again, like against the spread, Atlanta yeah. in the in the last so last five against the spread, they're two and three. Okay, so I would go with Tom Brady then. Okay, you just said it was like three points, right? Five and a half. Five and a half. So it's a touchdown. So Brady. Okay. Rams. Oh. Yikes. Okay. The Rams are 17 and a half point favorites over the Jets. <laughs> Holy shit. The Jets are bad. <laughs> the Jets are bad. Go ahead. I, I, it's so hard to give 17 and a half points to anybody. That's why they make these spreads. You're like 17 and a half points. Who kills somebody? You're talking about winning 40 to 20. That's what you're talking about. The, Ra- oh, okay, the Rams well, have the, the, the Rams have the, a lot to play for. They are tied atop the uh, NFC West at nine and four. They're five and uh, one at home. They're four and three on the road. They have a plus seventy nine points differential, which is the I cannot give that many points to any team. I would take the Jets. Points, the points of the Jets. So they lose by two touchdowns. I still win. All right, I'll go with you because I I appreciate the logic. It is. The Jets are unfathomably bad. At some point, we'll have to have um, a friend of mine who used to, who runs the the Jets website or used to run the Jets website. We'll have him call in. Um, if the Jets lose thirty to ten, then we don't get our money. Okay, fair enough. I'm th- yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And the, the Rams will go up by two touchdowns. Then they'll kind of mail it in. The Jets will end up having a field goal at some point in time. So you're talking about more of like a 14 to 30 game, and then I get my money. I think now for a, and I agree. Um, from a Washington fan perspective, this next game we've discussed it briefly. This Arizona Philadelphia game is arguably the fan of the game of the week. It's one I'm definitely keeping an eye on. Four o'clock kickoff. There are two NFC East four o'clock kickoffs this week. Nope, just the one, uh, and then Cleveland. Giants is Sunday Night Football. Philadelphia on the road. Let's see, seven and a half, uh, six and a half point underdogs on the road. Uh, I'm, I'm taking the Cardinals. I am too. Yeah, that to me yeah. seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Kyler Murray will do a great job. The defense of the uh, of Arizona has seen what someone like Kyler Murray can do. Therefore, they're going to be prepared for hurts. Yep. I think it's going to be just a bloodbath. New Orleans, three-and-a-half-point underdogs at home to Kansas City. Three-and-a-half to Kansas City? Yeah. Kansas City? Yeah, we don't even need to discuss that one. That's silly. Yeah, it's not Drew Brees isn't playing. No. It's, yeah, Kansas City. Um, then the other game, the Sunday Night Football game, Giants are three-and-a-half-point underdogs at home against Cleveland. Oh, I'm taking Cleveland. Yeah, that one also doesn't really feel like a bit yeah. warrants response, like a conversation because, like, duh. Cleveland is Cleveland is good. Cleveland is good. No, they, they Cleveland may have a down game. They might, but I don't. I, I think they're. I think they'll still win by more than three. And a Cole half. McCoy is still is probably going to start this game for the Giants. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. I'll, yeah, if I'm, I'm sitting I'm, if I'm, I'm again, sitting here I'm, next I'm, week or whenever we do our next episode, and I'm I'm regretting those words, then so be it. But silly. I mean, silly. he is a cult. He is a cult. Cult of cult. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. Um, <laughs> it's been a pleasure.
Then Monday Night Football, <laughs> tricky here. Cincinnati at home is a 12.5-point underdog to Pittsburgh. 12 and a half. Yeah, I'm taking Cincy's points. Are you? I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna lose, but I think they're gonna lose by like ten. I think I'm overriding you on that one. I think that they're gonna That's lose fair. by more than that. I think they're. That's they're fair. Bad. <laughs> but, but Steelers just haven't played well, That's so true. they're they're they yeah. Something they'll. I think they'll win by like ten. And per custom, I will put the total points at fifty-five. Oh, and then Washington is a five and a half point underdog at home against Seattle. Five and a half. I would take DC in the points. Really? I think I, I don't think we're going to win, but I think we'll lose by like three, maybe even six, but we're not going to lose by a whole touchdown. You think it's going to be close? See, in my gut, I think it'll be close. In my gut, I think that I, I disagree. That's fair. But I'm not going to change it because I'm going to go ahead and. I'm, Washington, I'm taking the points. I'm taking the points, taking the baby. Points. All right. Taking the points. Lock it in. Well, the Cult of Cult podcast is produced and edited by me, Brian Stabby, my co-host and director of social media, Gumby. You can follow the Cult of Cult on Twitter at Cult of Cult. That's all one word. We're also on Untapped at B Stabby and at D Cumberland Jr. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify by searching Hogs Haven, a Washington football team podcast. We ask that if you have liked what you've heard, that you do three things. You subscribe, you rate us five stars, and you tell one friend that you listen to the Cult of Cult. It does make a huge impact on our ability to reach new listeners. We know your listening time is valuable, and we appreciate you taking your time to spend it with us, Gumby. As always, I appreciate you taking some time to spend it with me. Uh, if we don't do another one of these, I think we TBD uh, before the holidays. Uh, happy holiday season to you. Um, happy Hanukkah. Happy, happy Hanukkah. <laughs> Merry Christmas. To you. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. To you. <laughs> happy Solstice. That's my favorite when it starts to get light out. Well, not that. Oh, we're almost the switchover. Just there. Uh, thank you all for listening. You have been listening to The Cult of Cult. <laughs>